Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the founder of Nancy Kowalik Real Estate, Nancy Kowalik. Nancy has gone on record to speak about one of the fundamental challenges with entering the real estate sector, the fact that real estate doesn't teach you how to effectively create demand. To this end, Nancy's extensive experience in the industry, paired with a marketing background, gave her the resolve to succeed. A natural entrepreneur, if there ever was one, Nancy has made a name for herself as one of the most highly sought-after real estate brokers in all of New Jersey. Taking her experiences to the next level, she founded her own company in 2015. With a huge amount of awards and a dedicated client base, Nancy Kowalik Real Estate has been listed on the Inc. 5000 as one of the top-rated emerging companies in its market. Nancy Kowalik Real Estate is growing like crazy, so my friend, let's get into it. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear. How did we get here today? What were the series of events that, that led us to where we are? Sure. So entrepreneur indeed. I had a very small business on Main Street selling antiques. Um, I was raising kids um, and we had a, uh, I went to sell my business and my house and worked with the top rated real estate agent in the marketplace. Um, had a remarkably bad situation occur. It was, a, it was you know, the, the typical called my real estate agent, couldn't get anybody on the phone. And I'm thinking, boy, this seems very unprofessional from a business that was much more professional. Um, and I kind of thought, wow, gee, I'm about to be unemployed for the first time in, I don't know, since I'm 11. So perhaps I ought to give this real estate thing a try. Two week classes, that's all they give you. It really is about law. Um, and I stuck a sign out for sale by owner and the phone rang off the hook. Mm-hmm. Mind you, you know, when, when someone else is calling your real estate agent, they want an answer back. And I could never get her on the phone. So my assumption was, how's anybody else, right? So that kind of was a springboard. Took me a few months to sell my home, but it really taught me a lot about the business. And so it was one of these things that as you sit back and look at service, because we're just a service, we don't build a house. Um, I'm not giving you a loan. Um, So I'm literally connecting the dots for you and then removing obstacles. And I thought there's gotta be a better way. So if I can bring those things together, it's, it's, if there's a lot of moving parts, um, let's build a better mousetrap. Right. What was, what was the business in before? What were you, what business were you in before that you were selling in in that story? Sure. So I had a little place called the country Christmas shop. So, Downtown Mullica Hill, where I live, it's a mile on the federal and historic um, register in the in the country, and it's all antique shops, or at that time, all antique shops and cute little, great little stores. And so I had a small Christmas shop that was fabulous for twelve years. Um, wow. So I ran that business, sold antiques and Christmas ornaments and jewelry and all sorts of things that were in demand. So, how did you know it was time to sell that company? So business started changing. Target came in and started selling ornaments about a third cheaper with great quality. Um, So it was really the internet, Amazon, uh, I'm sorry, eBay changed antiques in our marketplace, right? So there were a lot of different moving parts. My kids were hitting a certain age and I decided, you know what? I didn't want to be stuck at home anymore. I wanted to be able to get out into the world a little bit more. So, and then the, the final impetus was I actually got into a car accident, leaving my driveway because I'm on a major highway. And I thought, flash Fast forward, my daughter, you know, leaving this driveway in six years, oh my God, she'll end up dead. I had never mm-hmm. been in an accident before. So it was a confluence, a perfect storm. And I was like, it's time to move on. Yeah. 
Okay. So when you dive into real estate at first, just for yourself, yeah. what was the, the biggest learning curve for you? What was, what was the hardest thing to, to, to learn? So the first four years were an in incredible learning experience. I started out at a C21 office and they don't teach you marketing. They literally teach you, again, contract law just for real estate. Right. Um, and then they teach you indiscrim uh, discrimination rules. And then they say, you know what, you have to take pictures on your phone, put up a sign, people will bring you buyers. And I remember sitting back and thinking, hmm, aren't I being hired to find those buyers? Like, why are we going to assume that someone else is gonna do that? So as I started to dig into this process, realizing that no one was going to teach me, I started with a series of trial and error, right? Try this, fail forward. Um, you know, all this, my kids were growing up at this time. And I hit a, a point over the summer of, you know, thinking, man, I'm rocking and rolling. I'm selling houses. I had all these contingent deals and everything collapsed. I worked my fanny off for an entire summer and then literally through a series of events that I couldn't have prevented people losing jobs, the economy was collapsing, all of these things were happening. And I lost every single home sale for the entire wow. summer. So for like a three month time period, I had never gotten in the pool with my kids. Um, I had never done you know, the things that you wanna do over the summer with your family. I just was working really hard. And I thought, oh my, you know, I kind of sat down, had a pity party, cried <laughs> for about two days. Sure. And then started doing research, did a ton of research and looked around at people who were successful at what we do. Now, mind you, in my business, there's a lot of people that say do this and say do that, but they don't right. do it any longer. So that series of events kind of propelled me to take a big leap of faith and join a coaching program. And I kind of, I literally traveled across the country to meet Craig Proctor and his training program. So, right, find someone who's doing successfully what you want to be doing yeah. and, and, and walk in their footsteps. So that was a huge eye-opener for me. Um, yeah completely changed my perspective, the people I surrounded myself with. Um, and, you know, when I went out to that conference, first time I had traveled alone since I had kids in, in 20 years, right? I spent $900 of almost my last money, right? So um, mind you, I was going through a divorce after 20 years. All of these things were coming to a head and I'm like, boy, I've got to figure it out fast. Yeah, wow. Swim. Um, two kids. And so I went out to that conference thinking, uh, I've got to figure it out. I'm not joining anything. I'm not spending on things. I'm just going to figure it out, right? Because you don't want to get sucked in. And that conference opened my eyes to an entirely different way of thinking. You have to spend money to make money, my friends. You cannot say, bring me a buyer. If you want to sit back and wait for people to walk in your door, that's great. But that doesn't work in a business that you're trying to build. And mm. so I went from that scarcity mindset to that mindset of, if I want to get off this roller coaster of real estate, I have to build a better system. It taught me, you know, around the same time you're seeing books come out about building a super team, all of those kinds of things. Well, it's very overwhelming. And there's lots of people that talk about doing it, but to sit down and actually do it as a person at my age with two kids, figuring it all out, going, I don't really want to learn technology. Guess what? <laughs> you, may or, you may or may not want to do those things, but I had no choice, sink or swim. So I just, I dove in and completely, um, invested in that program. And what I realized is, I mean, I was investing in myself. I knew yeah. that if I went whole hog, it was going to work. I just kind of jumped in with both feet, joined this program and started, came home, living in a rental for the first time again. I had sold my, you know, 3,600 square foot home, living in a rental with my kids, the whole deal and going, okay, I'm going to spend a thousand bucks a month on coaching. I'm going to spend on these lead generation systems and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, um, it was, it was absolutely, so all of that was, it was terrifying, 
But honestly, if you believe in yourself, you know, you can point to a million people that go, oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't, it works if you believe it'll work and you put the work in. Yeah. Yeah, man. I like that. So when you, you go out to this conference, tell me a little bit more. About, it's just a, I'm just a, so curious around pivotal moments, right? Yeah. Like you're there, you're probably scared. You're probably skeptical. What started to get through to you? And then what happened as you left? Like what? What did you start doing differently as you left that place? Excellent question. So, you know, I'm sitting, when I got to this conference, there was a, a, a gentleman, um, a Marine, an ex-Marine, you know, you're, you're never an ex-Marine, right? And he sees me at this conference by myself. There's a lot of people in gaggles and groups and the whole thing. And I'm one of those back of the room loner types, right? So he sees me online, he goes, you're here for the first time. You're sitting up front with us, you know, kind of, Hoo-ah! and I'm like going, okay, John, sure. So, you know, it's, it's the people around you. So I'm, I'm sitting up front and I'm at the edge of my seat, right? So as someone who, you know, would profess to have maybe ADD or ADHD, right? We all have that right, as an right. entrepreneur. I'm not good at sitting still for eight hours. I'm thinking, God, this is going to be hard. And I sat up front on the edge of my seat, listening to people tell stories about how implementing these systems and taking the advice and making it your own made them, you know, social proof made them successful. So I sat there and listened and I went, okay. So it was this, it was this transformational process over the course of three days. And at the end of three days, you're, of course, you're sitting there with a choice. Do I go home and try and do this on my own? Do I go into coaching? Right. And I remember thinking, and it, it literally is like a fire hose of information coming at you. You know, everything that was going to make your business successful overnight, obviously a lot of hard work, not overnight, but, and, and, sitting there and listening to it. And they made an analogy, which was such an eye opener to me. And that was, look, McDonald's is a franchise. They have systems. They have a list of systems and a high schooler can run McDonald's. Mm. Anybody can make the French fries the same exact way. Everything is run the same exact way because there are checklists and systems, right? As an entrepreneur, we all want to be, um, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to figure it all out. And I'm going, my God, this makes so much sense to me. Right. Yeah. If I want to have a five star experience for everybody walking through my door, because that was my goal back then, I have to write down and systemize so that everybody does things the way I do them. Right. My business, my way. <laughs> so, yep. And then and then now it's a repeatable item. So when I sat there and listened to that, and I'm sitting there going, do I do this? Do I not do this? And I, when I heard that, I went, it was that light bulb moment. I sat there and I, I think I was one of the first people to sign up and say, yeah, yeah I'm in. I'm going for it. Um, and was terrified, but then felt that sense of calm going like, all right, well, I'm in for the ride of my life. But again, either sink or swim. If I go back to corporate America, which I had done prior to owning my own business, I traveled, I was in marketing. I traveled the world and was gone two weeks a month mm. before I had kids. And I was like, I can't, I choose not to do that. I want to grow up with my kids around me. So it was very pivotal. And like I said, terrifying. I came back going, well, all right, I'm only in a rental. Thank God my car's paid off because I just committed to this big, you know, number a month and, and going out to the coaching program and being around people and figuring it out and yeah. um, never look back. I mean, I went from having $36,000 that year, the very next year, I made $534,000. Holy so crap. You sit there and go, you know, and listen, there are lots of people that can do this program and fail. And they say, it doesn't work on my market, doesn't do. So I had that system to help. And, you know, everything is different. My, my office and my systems are different than everyone around me, but I had a good base, just like you have here. You look around you and go, how are people successful? What are you doing that makes a difference? I found someone successful, started copying and then making it my own, right? Mm. Huge difference. Yeah. Okay. So those first several years, was it just you or were you already starting to partner with some people? Yeah, no. So excellent question. So I came back from that conference 
and did another big gulp. And it was like, all right, I have to hire somebody because there's no way. I mean, I'm good in front of people. I'm good with the client. I hate doing contracts. I hate yeah. being there and sitting at a desk to answer the phones. So I immediately came back and found somebody and hired somebody to do all the things like those administrative tasks and yeah. sat down with that person and had a vision and said, look, I'm going to, you're going to help me with marketing. Cause I'm going to set up marketing. You're going to implement it. You're going to help me with these other tasks and I'm going to be out a lot. And, you know, eventually you're going to get to pick which way you want to go. So every time I sat down with somebody, I said to them, here's my mission. If you believe in this mission, you will grow in this mission, right. And grow in your career. So I took someone who was working at drugstore.com filling shelves, you know, for 10 bucks an hour and brought them into this business and, and grew that person into a, a, a very big success. Um, she had all the tools. It was a matter of, she had all of the, the makeup. I then just gave her the tools to refine. So, you know, the other part of my philosophy is if you get enough people to their goal, you'll get to yours. Mm. Right. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a common theme I think among a lot of people, but um, successful people, but looking at someone and saying, I need you to buy into this. I need you to be here after five o'clock if that's what's necessary. I need you. It's not a nine to five. It's a mindset. And I found people like that to help me grow the business. So I started with one and then that grew into two. I found someone to help me in sales, you know, to help that I trained one-on-one -on -one, and it grew from there. Interesting. How did you, how did you go about systematizing or finding a process that worked for you to regularly bring clients that wanted you to either help sell or buy for them? Yeah. Right. Cause mostly I see organic. Yeah. I see organic or I see snail mail, right. like long nurturing over a two to three year process. Keep me in mind, keep me in mind, right. which maybe is what you guys do. I don't know, but like, how did you, did you find a way to systemize or, or process your demand? I did. So, you know, this is one of those things that you know, before I knew what I was doing with social media, I was on Facebook going, hey, look at this. Hey, look at that. Hey, here's a great success story. Hey, check out this property. By the way, this is an amazing community. So I started doing things focusing on the community. That was my start in this community. I fell in love with it, moved here for that reason. And people came here because of the downtown, because of the events, because of the quaintness. So I played on that on social media. Didn't really have, just knew that bumping up awareness would make a difference. So I did a lot of things along with, of course, the snail mail, the phone calls, um, different things, but yeah. adding in social media. Once I started seeing social media become successful, people started, go oh, wow, Nance, what you did was really cool there. You know, telling a story of a buyer or a seller, as opposed to just going, hey, we sold something, making it human, one-on-one -on -one uh. interaction. And then I, I started a series. I saw an idea in the middle of the night, like on a YouTube channel, someone doing a, you know, 30 things to do in Las Vegas in 30 days. And I'm like, what a cool idea. Wow. I'm going to do that. 30 things to do in Mullica Hill in 30 days. And I literally woke up the next day and did it. Cause I knew if I thought about it, I wouldn't have the guts to do it. So I literally went out with my camera and said, I walked into one of the farm stands. We're in a very rural community, my favorite Rosie's. And I walked in and said, Hey guys, would you just do this real quick video with me? And they're like, Oh my God, we're not ready. I'm like, just, just, just do it. Just very camp, very off the cuff. Okay. So I'm like, it was the first day of summer. <laughs> so I'm like, Hey, Bo, and I do this. And people were so responsive. And I went, all right, right. So first time I'd ever done video, I think I have a great face for radio. That's my background way back. <laughs> and I, like, so I'm good with chatting, but I was not comfortable in front of the camera, but that's sure. why I was like, I got to do it now. I'm like, I've committed to 30 days <laughs> and I'm going, holy, you know, 
that changed the trajectory of my business. Really? Just being and being consistent. So literally the first 10 days, I'm like, okay, I would just, I walked into a pizzeria. Hey, Anthony, would you do this? And he's like, I'm flipping. I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to come. Is it okay if I come back behind here with you doing these things? Yep. So it was very off the cuff. And then by day 11, people were calling me going, when are you coming to see me? What's going on here? What's going on? When are you coming to see me? And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Right. All of a sudden. And then people that I never met were going, Hey, take a picture with me. And I'm like, right. So mind you, this is a small community, small town. There's yeah. about 15,000 people in this community. So, you know, you, it, I'm, I'm, I belong, my kids and I belong to the swim club and they were on the swim team, football, all the different things that you interact with, but you know, they're clutchy, clutchy, you know, people hang together. Um, and I was always a, I'm running around, kind of on the fringe of things, not being friends with this one or that one in, in a group right. um, because I'm always doing something else, very involved in politics, all of, all of these different groups, but just been, all of a sudden people are like, hey, Nance, come take a picture with me. By the way, you know, my friend is thinking about selling. I told him I have to talk to you. And I'm going, wow, we're on to something here. Yeah. But became a, and so, and even, you know, my son's friends, I'm like, what are they at a swim meet. I'm like, what are they, what are they talking about? He's like, mom, you're on, like, you're famous. Like everybody's talking about your videos. I'm going, you're kidding me. Like, seriously, it was <laughs> the coolest thing. So the videos made it real and made me approachable and made, and, and everybody felt like they knew me. And wow. it, it was, and that 30 days blew up. And I've since done several different series on that. Whenever I feel like it's like, ah, it's time. And it's time actually to do another one. I'm getting ready to get started again. Now that things are opened up and I focus on you know, yoga, wine, and, you know, um, car dealerships and, you know, places where I've had positive experiences where I know mm. when I walk in and say, cause they always say, can you come back? Cause I'm not ready. And I'm like, no, we're doing it now. Or we're not doing it. And I don't edit it. I literally do a minute. We're doing it. And it's like, and if you fumble over your words, no one's going to shoot you. It's just, yeah. a, it's a, it's your 22nd elevator pitch wrapped around me saying, hello, and how you doing? And you know, this is it. And it makes a difference in the community. People respond to it because everybody wants that sense of belonging. Yeah. Right? That's what that's everybody wants that sense of community. So by highlighting those things and tapping into that, because what's homeownership about? It's about having a sense of belonging, a place that's special to you. So, and that's what this town means to me. So I just kind of put that out on the, there on a broader scale. Um, and it, it has, um, it really blew things up for me and it's just kind of then took it to the next level. Well, now Instagram and we're on every social media known to me and we have our YouTube channels. Um, and that's that, that social media element coupled with, you know, different, even different other things that other realtors are doing. You know, I could tell you everything, but I always say, I could tell you, but it'd have to kill you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always some secret sauce to it, but there's a lot out there that you can do, you know, by bringing your personality into it and being positive, you know, and really showcasing other people, you know, because by elevating them, you're telling a story and you're making a bigger, a bigger picture. Man, it's really neat because you're reimagining your, your kind of position and your place in your town and in your industry, instead of just being someone who, Hey, just think of me if you're needing to buy or sell a house. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I am an advocate of this town. Right. And I know the ins and outs of it and I love it and I believe in it. And if you'd like to live here, I could be your person. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Okay. So what has been, what would you contribute your success from the time you, you started building the actual real estate group to having it now make the Inc 5,000, one of the fastest growing companies in America. 
what do you think is differentiating your group? What, what, what are some of the key reasons why you guys have been this successful? Yeah, so the team is everything. The people around me believe in what I believe in, which is, you know, it, this is not a nine to five job. This is a lifestyle. And I, I don't mean that we work 24 seven because we don't, but we're there for clients. We don't make excuses. We get results. If we don't know an answer, we do it. And when I, so I've had people that have worked for me that I've had to let go because their mindset is, who cares? Or it's not that big a deal. When you're buying and selling a home, it is everything to that person. It's a complete disruption of their life. And if you understand that they're hanging by a, a thumbnail, waiting yeah. for an answer on a property or waiting for a contract or, you know, trying to decipher a home inspection, those things have to be taken very seriously. It can't just be, well, listen, I'm out for drinks with a friend. I'll talk to you tomorrow. It's, um, listen, let's set aside a time to talk. And you still have to have a life. That's what a team is for, right? So if there's right. things that are heightened and there's, there's always emotions around it, learning how to handle those. We do a lot of trainings about personalities and how to handle it. But the people, the, the group of people that we are growing are in it for long haul. They're in it for the growth. Um, and, and that team around me has made me successful. It's kept me from burning out because you can. Um, they see the signs of it and protect me. Um, and they help each other. So it is, it, the culture here is absolutely amazing. We just hired three new people this week and I'm going, wow. And they are just such magical fits <clears throat> that it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's exciting to see. Do you guys have kind of the, the team approach in terms of this person's a buyer's agent, but this person's doing contracts, that kind of thing, or just have yeah. individual real estate yeah. agents working? Yeah, that's exactly it. So I have a full-on marketing department. I have two and a half people in my marketing department. I say half because I have someone in the Philippines that does video editing because we do so much video. Um, and she helps me. We're changing her life there. She's amazing. Her name is Vema Rose and she's phenomenal. Um, and then the people in my marketing department get it and they're dialed into the community. And when I, oh God, here's Nancy's crazy idea. We flesh it out. We put it together. We're involved in community events. So that department is, is stable. I have, a, I have an admin department. So from my receptionist to my executive admin to the broker, I actually have a new broker. Someone runs my company for me now as from a broker perspective wow. that's here every day that can answer. So I elevated her to that position. She earned it. I mean, and, and is running Nancy Qualk Real Estate Group. So I'm now founder owner. And I don't have to worry about the broker responsibilities anymore. It's freed me up for more creativity and to open another company. So all of these people, these are very specific. Now, my agents, I have agents that do both buyers and sellers, but I have agent specialists that strictly work on buyers. It's a different mentality. A lot of agents are like, oh, I want to be listing. I want to be listing. And because they say listings run the world kind of thing. And then they realize how much more emotional sellers can be in this process. Many are leaving a home after raising a family there for 30 or 40 years, or they built it, or they've made the improvements. And so someone calls their baby ugly, or there's a problem or something's going on. It's not just a logical business transaction. There's a lot of emotion involved. And we're wearing our therapist hats more often than not. I mean, and think about it. Usually there's life change situations. So yeah. you're dealing with babies, divorces, deaths, all, and there's happy things. But so, but all of that, if you don't have a good team around you that understands how important this is and they don't care as much as you do, you're sunk, you're burned out, you're done. Yeah. What has been the, what has been the maybe most challenging part that you had to really learn and grow as the leader, right? Like there's you as the producer, you as the kind of solo entrepreneur, and now you're having to think for the first time, how do we organize our meetings? How, who goes where? Hiring, managing different personalities. What about that came easiest? And what about that really took some intentional growth? Right. Um, really good question. So it did not come easy to do, to do less. Again, I'm like a, I'm going to be the renegade. I don't like to, you know, I don't want to be hamstrung by 
certain things. But I realized that that had to become, again, if, if Nancy Kowalik, we have a fun commercial that's like, I'm Nancy Kowalik. Everybody says I'm Nancy Kowalik because all my girls get called Nancy when, you, when people call. Um, but, um, you know, to, to say, this is how it's done right? This is literally how it's done. Um, and, and to be very intentional about that, that was, that did not come easy. The other mm. piece of that, letting go, right? So talking to clients, because clients were like, well, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to, and you, you know, one client, you don't, I, first of all, I don't ever want to say to a client, I'm too busy for you. That's a huge no-no on my business. Cannot happen, right? So, but I also have a family that, you know, I have two kids, they're now 22 and 24. So this is really my baby. My kids have grown up getting off the bus and coming into the house because I started the business in the house. So, yeah. you know, they saw it all. Um, and so I have to be able to fill up my cup. I have to be able to be there and be um, on for people and not lose myself in this. So that letting go of things piece by piece was incredibly hard. Um, and until I saw that growth in people and people literally had to rest some of the control out of my hands, <laughs> like, you know, a tug of war. Um, first vacation I went on that I did not take my phone. I was a wreck. And I promised my kids that I would take them to, to on, overseas. We went to Rome, Italy. And I said, all right, we're leaving the phone at home, taking what we called a burner phone. So I called in once a day just to make sure the place wasn't burning down. That was for my peace of mind. Right. I knew that they could get me if there was something going on that they couldn't handle, but I had to trust that they could handle it. And I started to, that moment of letting go because I promised my kids something and I stuck to my word with them. We had an amazing time in Rome. And then I, it, the business ha closings happened, clients happened. I got thank you notes, all of these things happened and I wasn't there. And, you know, I came back to everybody really happy and excited that they had done this for me and allowed me to have that freedom. And they were all empowered and, and learned that they really could handle it. And so th those kinds of things, because again, if you're not allowing them to, to make those decisions and to do things and empower them, you're also showing them you don't trust them. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't look at that perspective of things. So letting go was the hardest thing because it is my baby, but they've shown me, you know, this, this group has shown me how much of a difference they can make. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, you mentioned earlier, not losing myself in this business and having to do things that fill up my cup. That's a challenge for every entrepreneur especially in real estate where there's no natural boundaries, right? right? There's no yeah. natural nine to five. It could be weekends. It could be nights. It could be. And so I'm just curious for you, how have you, how have you learned to handle that where you got to be on and sometimes you got to be on in a moment's notice, yet you still have to have a life and you have to find ways to fill your own cup, even protect your, your heart. I know that sounds cheesy, but my wife's in real estate. That's why I have some of this instinct, yeah. in, some yeah. of this insight, just knowing like, man, that's some personal or some things that can feel personal happen where oh, yeah. you've known somebody forever and they randomly choose another realtor over you or something like that. And it feels really personal. Right. Um, so I'm just curious how you've navigated that unique challenge in this business. Yeah. So this is a good one because, and it's funny because even in the coaching group I'm with, which, you know, I'm the little fish in this, in this huge pond of, of people that are, that are creating businesses across the world. Um, the, and I, I that some been longer than me, whatever, but there, I started to say naturally at the end, I would talk to somebody we're negotiating, right. And you're waiting. Oh my God, did I get it? Did I get it? And I'd say, look, you're welcome to call me. If I get an answer, I'm going to call you. But if I've had a glass of wine, I'm not, we'll talk tomorrow. Right. So that was my natural. So I like my glass of wine at the end of the day and knowing from a legal perspective, even one glass of wine, right. Can make you just relax your, 
your inhibitions and make yeah. it more casual. Nothing about real estate's casual. It may appear that way, but there are so many nuances. So I would literally say, so, and, and I would have a glass and that glass of wine was nine or 10 o'clock at night. I started going, I'm having a glass of wine with dinner. Right. So I would, and I would promise my kids again, I mean, me and my kids, I want, I did want to lose that. I've seen too many families break up over those things. I see the ugly side of this sure. part of me. So, and I'd gone through 20 year divorce. My kids had me. And so I made, I started making commitments. So every other day we would have dinner together at this time, knowing that every other day I was going to work much later and I would probably work later, but not on the phone with somebody, but it was yeah. my choice. So that was a big thing. And I started teaching my staff that because again, telling people you have to set your boundaries. You teach people how to treat you. If someone calls you at 11 o'clock at night and you pick up, it's your fault. Yeah. I'm just saying, you yeah. shouldn't be doing that because you're not at your best. You're like, you may say things you don't mean. They may say things they don't mean it can be a, you know what, let's catch up tomorrow. I'll make you my first priority. So communication's key, a text or something, or, hey, I've already had a glass of wine. I know we're waiting. I have, don't have an answer. We're going to talk in the morning. And setting those boundaries really quickly, that was a big deal for me. I learned that after being in the business for so many years. And I also knew I was teaching my children those mm. things. Like whatever you do, your kids are watching, not what you say, but what you do. You know, my son at one point, you know, would get up at two or three in the morning, you know, get up to get a glass of water, use the loo, whatever. And be like, mom, why are you still up? And I'd be like, look, you know, early on, if I don't do this, it's not getting done. Right. So I just worked, put my head down and just worked and did what I had to do till I got to a point. And even now, still, there are times when COVID hit. My God, I had to, you know, I had to reimagine my business. I was the one doing things because I had to, we didn't stop for one moment. I just had to figure it out. The reason I'm so good with Zoom and so much more technologies you know, because of COVID. So, you know, you do the things you have to do, and but I do it for a period of time and then say, okay, yeah. I'm gonna give myself a break, right? And so, you know, travel is that other piece of it. And I say, when I go away, I go away at least once a year, phone stays here, I disconnect completely. And that allows me to read books for pleasure instead of just for how to grow my business or for mindset or philosophy. So sit on a beach and just kind of zone out. I never was any good at that. I've become better, right? Because yeah. kids are watching, right? So we're doing things together. And it, it, it allows me to know what I'm working for. I'm not just working. I'm not living to work. I am working to live a life and, and to do that. It's important. Super cool. So I'm curious at this point, as you, as the business has evolved and you have evolved, you just said you had somebody take over the broker role. How has your role and in in what you see as the best use of your time changed from, let's say, the beginning kind of years to, to, to up to currently, like what's your, what's your most important use of time right now in the business? Um, so creativity and working on new projects. So I've actually started a second brokerage, which I am the broker of, and it's a private brokerage. So in our industry, there's a lot of these big disruptors taking over and, you know, we spend thousands of dollars to get listings and Zillow takes ownership of it and sells it to, you know, five other realtors. So if you're selling your home, your call, you know, calls about your home are no longer coming to me. This has been driving me crazy for years that it was always part, parceled out to whomever would buy your zip code. But now they literally you know, won't let you get those phone calls. So Mr. Huh. Seller, you've hired me to sell your home and the highest number of eyeballs land on Zillow. But when they go to Zillow, they're going to get anybody else but me about your home. And that person doesn't really have vested interest in selling your home. Right. So I've created a second company. It's completely private. Um, it because I grew my database. Right. So things that I learned early on, create a database, grow it every day. So I have a database of over 45,000 people in one parcel that I've never done business with, but they're out there 
on the, they're out there looking and I've got a database of over 18,000 people that have come in contact with, worked with in some way, shape or form. So I, I'm able to directly reach out to those people now. So I have a second company that's completely private. It's called Your Home Sold Guaranteed Realty, uh, New Jersey, because there's, there's others across the country and it's completely private. So I will, I'm reaching out through my database, through social media, through all of these channels that I've developed people in this looking in this market or looking to work within this market and I can reach out to them privately so that if I'm selling your home now you, if someone calls about your home they're getting me or they're getting someone from my staff who wants to sell your home who knows your home who isn't going to say you don't want those that home because the taxes are too high but I have a home over here to sell because that occurs on a daily basis in our industry right really oh my goodness it is if you dig in and you become a consumer and you start looking at your business you go whoa, it has been disrupted. I, I hated Zillow for a long time. I admire it. Listen, they've done, they've filled holes that were necessary. I wish our industry had done it. But now I'm, I'm doing things to buffer and to create opportunities. The other piece of it, if you're selling your home and you don't want it everywhere, you know, we have a lot of sports players out here. We have opera yeah. singers, we have QVC people. And they're like, I don't want my stuff splashed everywhere. Well, if you're selling it, you're required to put it in the MLS. And it goes out you can keep it out of Zillow, but it's everywhere regardless. Once it's on the internet, it's on the internet. So I started a company that says that allows me to not do that. And I had to start an entirely separate company because the MLS and Zillow literally own you if you're a member of it's, it's, it's a bit unnerving if you dig into the mechanics of it huh. and it's been coming for a long time. My coaching group kind of clued me into it too. We're all figuring out ways to take back um, our industry. And so this for me is my passion project because I've created the marketing to sell your home, Mr. Seller, but now people have co-opted it and they're going to answer questions about your property. And they're probably going to say, you don't want that house. You want this house. I've seen it happen. I've got recorded calls and you just kind of go, whoa, you know, not everybody's going to tell the truth when they pick up the phone. It's unfortunate, right? Yeah. So I'm, my creativity is going into growing that company um, and it's successful and it's growing. So, and it, it allows people to have options. Super cool. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you're still doing coaching. Is it with the same group from the beginning of the story? Is it? It is. It is. So we've grown. So there was, it was coaching. They have a platinum, you go up to titanium, which is where I am now. Um, and into a licensing program for your home sold guaranteed. So there's a tiered system. There's only, you know, listen, there's over 2,500 people in coaching. I'm, I work with the top 45. So we kind of create the content now. I'm part of creating what works. There's a lot of testing. Here's what I'm doing in my market. We share, we mastermind. It's huge. Mm. And then share across, um, you know, my systems. I'm teaching the systems, some of the things that I've developed through social media to thousands of people and helping them. That has been amazingly gratifying to see them take charge of their own business. So I'm still involved with that. And, um, you know, when you have good people around you, you don't mean, you can sever the ties, but I look at it and say, look, these people help me look at things in a different way. Help give me some tools and ideas to, to jump the springboard. You have yeah. to do the work um, and it just doesn't, you can't just sit back and absorb it and do nothing. There's a lot of people that do that. Um, but you have to take action and massive action, right? Um, yeah. and we, you know, I, I, <laughs> I go to comp, we go do masterminds. In fact, I'm going to Cancun next week to do a mastermind and to teach. And, you know, my staff always goes, oh God, when she comes back, because I come back and go, oh, those great ideas. And yeah. <laughs> some are winners and some are losers, but, you know, it's like creating a wake. It's like, hey, let's figure it out. Let's see what else is going to take us next level. Um, and, you know, I've, I've met a couple of founders in different, different types of social media, different types of, of programs. And I'm beta testing a lot of different cool things that people haven't even seen. And it's like, we, I 
done a couple of them with smaller companies and help them grow by referring them out um, because it because it's like, wow, this works really well. We do it this way. Now let's share that. I just look at them and go, just not here in Jersey, North Jersey, elsewhere. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> That's the beauty of it, right? So, yeah. um, but it's making a difference and seeing that growth. It's pretty cool. Man. So is this coaching specific, this whole mastermind of coaching group, is it specific to real estate? It is. It is really all real estate all the time. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> the other thing that, you know, I've always had a penchant for giving back to the community, even when I had my small little shop. And so, you know, um, it's something I just did um, quietly. Always. There's always people that need a leg up. And, you know, my history is that, you know, I had a bit of a rough childhood. Everybody has a story. But a local group kind of came to me when I had my Christmas shop and asked for donations. And I started doing that over 20 years ago. And when I got into real estate, continued to do that, but quietly, a few years ago, I went public and said, you know, if I can inspire more people, and, and I kind of made it the culture of my office, look, for every transaction, we're giving money to these local communities, local, it's all very localized, because there's a lot of people in need, right? Um, and so uh, that, that piece of it, um, when I started going public with it, it helped um, create a slightly different mindset and coaching literally takes that to the next level too. And they, they, they just kind of go, look, everybody does, you know, marketing and uses these as tools. It has to be personal to you. It cannot be a, Hey, I'm going to give money somewhere or whatever. To me, this is part of my culture, but now I talk about it. And now I may have made it part of the culture here instead of thinking I wanted to be private. Privacy is good there, but if you can inspire others to make a difference, whether it's with their time or their money, that's just next level too. Again, it's about the community, right? So yeah. that's something that um, that actually got taken to the next level by coaching too, which is pretty cool. I love that. Is there? Uh, are you guys doing anything to coach inside your your agency? Yeah. So that you either you have to learn more to earn more, right? So I'm constantly coaching. Um, we do we have Monday morning sales meetings, and we we all learn from each other. We do. I, I'll do a stint of maybe five weeks at a time where we're talking about strictly buyers agency, how to work with buyers, what those pitfalls are, what are some of the special things going on right now? We do, we'll do a three-week series on DISC personality training. So if you know, you do personality oh, yeah. profiling, huge. And, and, you know, when I tell people we do that, they're like, what? Like, listen, if you understand a person's personality, as opposed to thinking they're attacking you or they're questioning you, it is inherent in their personality to do these things. So now it becomes not personal and you know how to respond. And it kind of takes, takes that, that, because in sales, it is all personal all the time. You have right. to know what your personality is and adjust it, right? So when I first got into sales, you know, decades ago, they teach you to be a chameleon and to mirror people, right? That's part of it. But when you really delve into the psychology side of it, why is this person over here who happens to be an engineer, I have a question with nine parts, you know, and it's going to drive someone up a tree, um, yeah. but he's not questioning everything you do. It is his personality to deconstruct and reconstruct, right? So when you understand that, you become a, ah, well, this is what they need. So it's a non-issue. And so that has made a huge, I mean, I've saved a marriage in my office. Um, So it's, it's, it's a cool thing when people really start to understand themselves better, and then you can relate differently to the world. I love it. Last question before we get into, um, into the lightning round. What, well, no, actually I want to do two questions. So the first would be, What's the current challenge as you, every, every season you hit like a new challenge yeah. that gets you to the next part of the revision. What's the current challenge you're trying to solve? I'll, I'll start with part one. Yep. So the current challenge, actually there's two challenges. First one is I'm opening, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to another state 
uh, to open a second brokerage. I'm not moving, so I'm going to share my time. So it's part of my growth vision and, and just literally closing on a property in two weeks. And I'm super excited about that. But figuring that out, there's going to be a learning curve, like no doubt, right? Just how to parcel my time. But the other piece right now going on is inventory is super tight. Everybody hears about this in the news and how to find that inventory, how to create solutions for sellers, especially here that are looking to downsize and get out of a market. So finding solutions and, you know, trial and error. Like right now we've got five different programs running and one, there's two of them that look like they're clear winners, but I'm still giving it a period of time and we're adjusting the sales to work with that. So there's every market's going to be different. Nothing is the same. Love it. All right. Last is a question I've been trying to include more in these interviews. because I like it so much, which is what's been the most costly mistake you made in your business that if you could warn another business owner about or founder about to save them that same mistake, what, what would that be as you look back over the years of business? Trust yourself more. Trust yourself more. Um, you know, it, it is when I first started doing the things I'm doing, I know going from 36,000 a year to 500 sounds like a, a huge, and it is, it's huge, it's life-changing. But honestly, had I, had I done that even sooner, I, that number would have been a million. I mean, I look mm. back at that and go, I was tiptoeing around the edges of things. And I, because I was terrified and I get it, but it, by, by, by fully diving in, I mean, our numbers are, are through the roof. Um, we're gonna sell 500 homes this year as a team with 11 agents. That's like astronomical. So wow. I, would, I, would have, I, would have, I would have trusted and done more sooner. I love it. So helpful. All right, that's a great lead into our lightning round questions because we're gonna be doing some quick questions kind of like that. Cool. Question number one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be? Um, so I'd say... Five-star service. It's five-star service for everybody you come in contact with. That literally is the clients, the consumer, other agents, your title person, your mortgage person, your family. It's five-star, period. You don't make excuses, right? Yep. Five-star service all the way through. That's, that's what this is all about. Love it. All right, question number two. What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also, what was the worst? Best advice was don't, don't be everything to everybody know your niche, grow that. Because once you create that, the ripple goes from there, right? So mm. that was huge for me, especially in a business like this, where you can go in 12 different directions at once. Doesn't make sense. So the best was be niche and, and grow from there. The worst, the worst advice, um, you know, <laughs> the worst advice. So when I first got into this business, coming as a housewife um, into this, literally, it was like, you know what, just, um, just, just do this as a referral, just kind of step back and, you know, someone not believing in you and just kind of saying, you know, stick a sign on the ground, let everybody else do the work. That was early on other people. That's their mindset. And in my industry, that's a big part of the mindset. Worst advice. I'm glad I didn't listen. Yeah. I'm curious on the niche side, what was the niche that you decided on? Yeah. So the niche I decided on was Mullica Hill, New Jersey, like okay. all things Mullica. So literally community. I went whole hog on. And so I started having realtors call me and go, Hey, it's the queen of Mullica Hill. Hey, it's the queen of Mullica. So I became the queen and people still call me the queen of Mullica Hill. <laughs> so yeah. there's, no king, there's no queen, but it's, it's, I became so focused on and we're kind of right in the center of the county. So now we're into, you know, so many other areas because we created a very big name here. And that allows you to then ripple out. And I can say, look at this. And people go, I know you're, and I have people say, I know you're Mullica Hill, but do you do this? Absolutely. We're getting dragged in a lot of directions. But because I was able to create such a big plume, a big spray, 
from Mullica Hill. It, it yeah. just to point to something. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard someone say in business, you have to first learn to own your side of the street. Yep. Then, then you go in the street and then you figure out how to be the best in the town. And then it's like, you, you got to just start where you're at and, and slowly, you know, gain reputation from there. Exactly. Love it. All right. Number three, what currently causes you the most stress or worry leading your organization? Um, having enough people to do the job. It is a challenge right now to get good people, right? Yeah. Good, talented people that care as much as we do about, about their clients and about their business. Yeah. Are you finding a solution to that or is it still just a stress? I, I tell you, we're very slow to hire. Even in, even when we desperately need, we just pick up the pace um, because the hiring the wrong person takes you so far down the road in the wrong direction. So it's like, look, can we all just chip in? We all, we had a powwow several different times. Listen, I have to let this person know it's not working. Can we pick it up? Can we handle it? Can we manage it? And we just literally, literally like I said, hired three people, but I am so sure they're the right butts for the seats that I'm excited about the growth moving forward. Love it. All right. Number four, what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? So I want to be in more places. So I literally, you know, said years ago, I want to be bi-coastal. I want a place in California. I want to be able to. So as I think about my place moving forward, I don't plan on ever retiring, but I want to be able to be someplace and not feel guilty about, you know, not working. So if I'm in California and I'm in wine country, which is one of my favorite places on the planet, or I'm in Carmel, I want a business there and I want to grow those communities. Those are places I love and support naturally. So I'd yeah. like to create the same feel there. Um, and, you know, like my, my family members all go, you're out of your mind. And I go, yeah, but that's what they said when I got into real estate. So it's all good. <laughs> and my team, you know, they see that as part of their vision because that big, hairy, audacious goal, they're like, well, cool. When you go to California, can I come? When you go to Florida, can I come? And, you know, because it becomes part of their their goals and their dreams. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So it, it will happen. California, there's a lot going on there that is has kind of pushed that back just a little bit. It's fine, which is why Florida is on deck. So just kind of shifting things, but you know, having a bigger company that affects more lives in a positive way mm. um, and coastal by coastal. I love it. I love it. Um, question number five is our fun, creative question. So answer it however you will. Cool. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past and you get to tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by, when would you go back and what would you tell that younger version of yourself? Oof. So that's fairly simple. So, cause I, I say this, I talk about this a lot. I don't really have many regrets in life. I'm, I'm blessed, right? Everything that's happened, divorce, you know, good, bad, there's been good that has come from it. Um, but I would go back to my 16 year old self. First time I went to California, fell in love with it. We go back to my 16 year old self and say, believe in yourself now. Yep. Right. Because everybody tells you as you're growing up, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't, especially, you know, being a young, younger woman and yes, women's live and all those things, but you still have that built in, you know, everybody telling you what you should do. Listen to yourself early on. Had I done what I wanted to do back then the world would be a different place. I firmly believe that. I just say, we say, Oh, I could have only, um, but at 16, I would have said, go for it, do what you want then. It, and um, it would have made all the difference in the world. Oh, I love it. Nancy, this has been awesome. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for sharing your story and your wisdom. It is uh, clear to see why you have be become the queen of your town and expanding every day. Uh, your business intelligence, your courage, 
uh, the way you guys do things with excellence uh, is really fascinating to see. So thank you again for sharing with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks very much, Drew. It was my pleasure. Absolutely. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.